So we've come to that part of the show where we have a look at the Bible. And this week we're looking at the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. And these verses are very much about confidence, having confidence in God. And they say this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So Pamela, what are your thoughts on those words? Let's unpack these verses. Firstly, we have a great high priest. Aaron was the first appointed high priest. His appointment was made by God. And over the years before Jesus, the Jewish appointed some good and some bad high priests. One of the most important duty of the high priest was to conduct the service on the Day of Atonement. On this day, only the high priest was allowed to enter the most holy place. That's the place where God dwell, behind the veil to stand before God and make the sacrifice for himself and for the Jewish people. It was a dangerous role, given that a high priest could die if the sacrifice was not presented properly. But Jesus is not just any high priest. He's the great high priest. He told us, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And this is John chapter 14, verse six. Jesus is our mediator, our way to the Father. Have you ever been on a roller coaster ride? When you are such a ride, if you're like me, I not only hold the strap or the handle, I cling to them with their life. That death grip is a good visual of how we should hold firmly to our faith, clinging to our faith, clinging to the knowledge that our security and our salvation, our debts have been paid, which are allowed us to be reconciled through God. And how? through our mediator. Jesus is not just a great high priest, but he's a high priest that cares. If you ever attended a support group or a group with a shared activity, whenever you discuss that activity at such a meeting, you are met with support and understanding as the people there share your interests. It will be different if you sought weight loss support from a reading group, as it is highly likely that not everybody will understand your struggles. Jesus being fully God, and fully man understands our struggle. He understands our weakness. He cares, but he goes further than this. He sets a brilliant example by not giving in to sin. This is why he's able to pay our debts. I often find it difficult to approach someone in authority. When I was at school, this was the headmaster. At work, this could be the directors of the company. But the writer in Hebrews is telling us to approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Not to be timid or scared, but confident. Confident is knowing that we could approach. We will not be scolded. We will not be pushed away. We will not be told to come back later. We will not be told that our problems are too insignificant. But we have an assurance to approach the Lord. When we are approaching God's throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us with our sins in the times of need. We literally look at the topic of grace and mercy in our connect group. I love the definition by Richard Linkis, who distinguishes grace from mercy by going back to the Hebrew language. Now, please forgive my bad pronunciation. The noun elios 
which is mercy, always deals with what we could see as a result of sin, the misery, the distress, the pain, while the noun charos, grace, always deals with sin itself. So mercy is the relief, while grace is the pardon. We can obtain both relief and pardon from God, and we can obtain it in our time of need. When is the time of need? I love the lyrics by Matt Meyer song, Lord, I Need You. The chorus says, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. So our time of need is all the time. Although I'm not working in the office at the moment, I still try and fit in half an hour away from my computer for lunch. I usually grab a quick sandwich and turn on the telly, not bothered about what's on. Well, this week, I happened to catch a few minutes of I can't pay, we'll take it away and witnessed a heart wrenching scene of someone having to decide who to telephone to ask for money so the bailiffs would leave. Could this situation have been avoided if they had reached out for help earlier? And this week, I would like to start at the end, where it explains the crux of the verses. There seems to be a problem. Why do some of us find it hard to approach God in times of need where we feel worthless and ashamed? This problem of not reaching out for help is still relevant in today's society. A recent study by the Samaritans identified that more than a third of men don't ask for help when they're struggling to cope. 36% of men aged 20 to 59 in Scotland did not seek support because they preferred to solve the problems themselves, with many saying this. One, they didn't want to feel like a burden. And two, they didn't feel somebody would understand their issues. Now, I feel before I go on, I need to interject with a brief history lesson. A, to put the verses in context and B, to reveal what such a monumental change that this would have had on the people at the time. So what was the point of the high priest? As Pamela said, the high priest represented the people in matters that involved communication with God, such as offerings, gifts or sacrifices. The high priest stood between the people and God, and he was the only one who could make these sacrifices or offerings on behalf of the people, acting as an intercessor or mediator. We can surmise from these verses that the priests probably could not empathise with the people's troubles, probably due to their elevated position of esteem or power. But we now have the great high priest, Jesus, the son of God himself, who came as a man and lived as one of us to understand our weaknesses, our troubles and our shame. And Jesus is waiting to take your burden, as he says in the book of Matthew. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. More importantly, God understands our issues. He understands our thoughts and circumstances, yet we can still receive grace and mercy. If only he knew what I'm really like, you might consider thinking. But Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And sometimes it's good to remind ourselves that we are human in, and in times of trouble, remember that God is waiting for us to admit our need for help and come to him. 
I read a really insightful article this week on writersdigest.com where they detailed five tips for writing appealing characters. Number one was this, make your character a human being. Unless, of course, you're writing about robots. But if you are writing about humans, please give your character some quirks and flaws. No one is perfect in real life. God knows we're not perfect and he didn't create us to be robots. He understands our weaknesses. He wants to take our burdens willingly. So in times of need, let's not be ashamed to seek his throne and allow ourselves to receive his mercy and grace. This morning we're looking at Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 to 16 and really each verse deserves its own sermon. However for now let's just take a quick look at each verse and make some simple observations for our encouragement. Jesus is the high priest written about here in verse 14 and he gave up his own life for us as a sacrifice that replaces all of the required sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins as prescribed by the law of Moses. But Jesus does so much more than that after he gives himself up. Jesus passes through the heavens, meaning he also went on from his death and his resurrection to the presence of God. In the ancient temple and the tabernacle before the temples, there was the Holy of Holies, curtained off from everybody except for the high priest, who would only go in through the curtain once a year to make a sacrifice on behalf of all the people of Israel. In Isaiah 40 verse 22 it says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Jesus went through the curtain, as it were, into the holy presence of God as the intercessor, using himself as the sacrifice for our sins before God. So, holding fast to our confession of Jesus the Messiah as our Saviour means that God only sees his Son Jesus when we ask for forgiveness for our sin, and we are covered by Jesus' presence in heaven. Again, in verse 15, the high priest is Jesus, and it says that he can sympathise with our weaknesses and was tempted with all the things we are tempted with that seek to distract us away from God's presence and our relationship with him. The difference between Jesus and us, though, is that in the temptations, Jesus didn't choose to follow after the temptation and give in to it. Instead, Jesus demonstrated to his disciples and to us how to deny life and choose to follow God's way of living rather than our own. In fact, every gospel records Jesus' teaching. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And this is an important foundation we are to live out and be our confession if we are to walk with Jesus. It's by following this command of Jesus the Messiah to deny oneself and follow him that we may boldly come before the throne of grace, confident in the words of Jesus and the fact that he has gone before us and is in the presence of God on our behalf. We can approach too and take hold of the mercy and the grace that God offers us for our lives. So, if you are in need today, hold fast to your faith in Christ. Choose his way of living instead of your own will, and approach with confidence that he is already there in the presence of God on our behalf, ready to give you the grace you need for your day.
Do you rest? Do you ever have a whole day of rest? Funny questions to ask when the scriptures that we are looking at this week are about having confidence. The confidence to go to God and ask him for help and the confidence that God will in fact help us. But these words we are looking at are preceded by clear and strong guidance to observe rest. I mean really strong, i.e. no one should disobey entering God's rest. I understand that we live in a 24-7, 365 world and yes, I'm still off subject, but as I say this, I'm thinking, perhaps we're missing something really fundamental and important. Perhaps it's not just about observing rules on a certain day. Let's face it, Jesus and his disciples weren't bound by these rules, but about resting and trusting in the complete work of Jesus Christ, who on the cross said, it is finished. We cannot add to what Jesus did. If we try to, we are trusting in what we are doing rather than what Christ has done for us. Only Christ could win victory over sin and death. In other words, we are in danger of having confidence in ourselves for our salvation rather than approaching God with grace and confidence in what Jesus did on the cross. That's not to say we shouldn't try to do God's will on earth and be his hands, feet and voice for a generation that so desperately needs him. We should, but we should not do it thinking that in some way we are earning our way into heaven. Our confidence has to be 100% in Jesus. Sometimes we put our confidence in marketing and clever business techniques to try to grow God's kingdom for him. But if there's no sign of the fruits of God's Holy Spirit, i.e. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, our efforts will come to nothing. So our message today is this. When you pray to God, do it with confidence, by resting in his peace, by trusting in what he has already done, the battles that he has already won, and the promises that he's already made. Not trusting in your own strength, but trusting in what Jesus did when he laid down his life for you on the cross.